Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. <laughs> oh, I will rejoice in the simple gospel. I've just been down at the gospel banquet in Melbourne with um, Glory City Church in Melbourne and a bunch of others, Anglicans and Baptists and and we've just been feasting on the Word of God, which has been wonderful. And I shared this morning, and I had some people come up to me afterwards and say, you've messed with my head. I thought, oh, hooray. <laughs> because, you know, the gospel is so simple. But often we have complicated it because it doesn't seem fair. I'm going to share tonight, but you know, before I do that, I'd love to just take a couple of moments uh, to just ask Is there anyone that's received healing or a miracle in the last six weeks or so that we haven't had a chance to hear your testimony? I know the Lord is touching and healing, delivering all the time. Just give me a wave if the Lord has done something glorious in your life in the last six weeks or so, you've been healed delivered, set free. We, we love to hear these testimonies. Don't be shy. Let me see. If the Lord's touched you or healed you, done something in your body. I know there's people writing into me every week, so I actually know you're here. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we would love to hear your testimonies because such faith comes when you testify about what the Lord has done. Maybe I'll read them out for you on Sunday. Some, and, but I do appreciate you actually writing into us and letting us know what God's doing because it's so encouraging to hear how the Lord is uh, doing wonderful things, setting people free and doing miracles. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I am very excited about uh, what's coming up with the television. We've been, I've been declaring, playing my game for a long time and declaring I'm on TV all over the world. And then when I sort of looked at it, I realized, Daystar is, you know, it's one of the biggest in the US. Um, you go, like, for example, if you're in Texas, you're in a hotel room, you turn the TV on. Channel one is Daystar. So it's the first thing people see in their hotel when, or in their homes when they turn on the television. I'm like, yes, they're the ones I want to get. I want to get the channel flippers who are going to hear this Aussie accent and go, what's that? Shakara. And uh, so Tom was telling me it's actually going to be at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings here. Hallelujah. Um, if you have Foxtel, it's just automatically part of the package, which I love. My dad has it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hooray. Hasn't yet been in church to ever hear me preach, but I know he, he says, I watch some of that sometimes. I'm like, yes. Sure. Hallelujah. But I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to watch it, hear the gospel, the good news of the gospel, because the Lord has promised it. And we so appreciate you standing with us in partnership for that, because it's just altogether wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Take a deep breath. This is going to be good. So we're going to feed on the, on the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You're our delight. 
And Lord, we give you worship and honor and praise and glory. There's no one like you. Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that you really would enlighten the eyes of our understanding to know you, to be intimately interacting with you on a daily basis, to discover you in the word, to discover you in fellowship. Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to our hearts. Reveal the Father more about who he is so we may truly know him. Father, we give you glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'd love to share with you today a little bit about this simple gospel. The basics of the good news. You see, we recently celebrated the Reformation last year, the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation. And the revelation that came out of justification by faith. Martin Luther had gone to, he had worked so hard trying to feel free, free from sin. Yet he always was struggling with this deep inner fear that maybe I'm not gonna make it, maybe I'm not forgiven, maybe I'm not saved, maybe I won't get to heaven. He devoted himself as a monk, but he was desperately trying to kill his flesh, deal with his flesh, die to self, somehow, somehow make himself feel saved. His brothers, the other monks, would have to drag him out of the snow sometimes because he'd stand there and freezing, half naked, trying to deal with his flesh to no avail. He'd beat himself with whips, flagellating his back, trying to deal with this rotten flesh. And then he began to study the book of Romans. is a good book, oh, it's a good book. It's actually glorious in the way that it is in itself as a book. The, the picture of redemption, the first few chapters deal with why we need a savior. And as you read the first few chapters, you think, wow, yeah, sin's awful. And no, I can't achieve holiness in my own strength. Thank God that Jesus became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'd love to look at some scripture with you. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up. You know, the reality is we read an English version of another language. The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so uh, I like to look at lots of different translations. No one translation, I think, can perfectly capture it, so it's great to study it out. I do encourage you to do that. But the scripture is such a gift to us, and we have wholehearted access to it. Can you imagine how Martin Luther would have felt with all the access that we have right now? I mean, what a gift. You can go and just look up the Strongs or the Thayers. You can look at different translations. 
Romans 6. We'll start at verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Hooray! For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna read it to you uh, in the Passion Translation. I love it here. You could just read the Bible and it would be enough. It's so glorious. Hallelujah. It says here, for since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would no longer continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. You know, the atonement, we read about what Jesus came to do in the book of Isaiah. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. This is the atonement. This is what Jesus came to do. It's accessed, praise the Lord, not through works, lest anyone should boast, but by grace through faith. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our sins, our transgressions, our sins. In other words, he was punished for our sins. He took the punishment for sin, so you don't have to punish yourself. Hooray. You don't have to punish anyone else either. He was bruised for our iniquities. In the Hebrew, that's he was crushed for our crookedness. You look up that word iniquities, it's different to transgressions. He didn't just take away our sin, 
he actually completely cut away our old nature. Everything about us that was crooked. He made the crooked places straight. Have you ever sung the Messiah or heard the Messiah, Handel's Messiah? Oh, it's wonderful. Emily and I went last year to hear it done at the concert hall and we thought, oh, this is so wonderful. But the words are glorious as they're just singing scripture and the prophecy about Jesus. He came to make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth, hallelujah. He's talking about us, where we were crooked, where we, everything we, we dislike about ourselves was taken away when Jesus was crushed, when Jesus was beaten, when Jesus was crucified, hallelujah. And we receive this glorious peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We can have peace when we actually receive this gospel. Without receiving it by faith and allowing it to go beyond just a head knowledge, as we allow this reality to hit our hearts and, and cause our emotions to line up with this truth, then we can actually have peace and joy. You see, if you don't really believe that you are forgiven, cleansed, righteous, holy, accepted, absolutely right now, free indeed, not guilty, then you're gonna have this lingering fear that somehow you're not quite sure if you're okay. You know, I think a lot of people live in the hangover of guilt. I remember I used to, my prayer life, I, I would pray and I would pray and I'd ask for forgiveness for everything I could think of that I'd ever done over and over again. Sorry for this, sorry for that, sorry for that, sorry for that. And it would be triggered if I'd do something wrong. If I'd say something I shouldn't have said, I'd get in the car and think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'd, I'd ring the person and say, I shouldn't have said that. But then I'd say, tell God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Then I'd think to myself, that needs more than a sorry in the car. I should go home and get on my knees and really, really repent for that. And say, so, okay, I'll do that. And then I actually, while I'm at it, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, I'm sorry. And I'd, I'd go through everything I could think of I'd ever done. And I realized I spent most of my prayer life repenting for things I'd already asked for forgiveness for many, many times over. And I was thinking this was pleasing to God. You know, but the Bible tells us that it is faith that pleases God. That's it. I was in unbelief, thinking that's what was pleasing God. Well, you know, I don't wanna be presumptuous just to, like, did you really mean it? You know, I'll just say it again, you know, just in case. It takes faith to receive what you don't feel like you deserve. He's better than you feel you deserve. Today, he's better than you feel like you deserve. You say, well, all right, I had this time where I, I, I believed that Jesus was the son of God, that he died and that he became sin so I could become righteousness. I gave him my life and I received his new life. And I believe that he made me clean at that moment, but I've done something wrong since then. And then you've gone back into a works mentality to think I've got to try and pay for that emotionally and 
going to disqualify myself for a while and put myself in the naughty corner as though the atonement only worked once. But you see, his mercies are new every morning. Some people are afraid to believe this because they feel like if I do that, then what's going to stop me from sinning? It's like, it's just like, hang on, you know, what's going to stop me from sinning? The Bible tells us in the book of James that if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because he's like a man who looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. If you aren't walking in the revelation that, thank you, God, I've been crucified with you. I was crucified with you. I was buried with you. I didn't do this by my effort. I've done this simply by believing in your goodness. I've been raised up with you. When we believe that, when we know that that's the truth of what he's done, then we can have confidence even if our hearts condemn us. We can have confidence. And if you, if you think, well, I did that, but you know, it, what happens now if I, I, you know, I was angry with my kids yesterday or I did something wrong yesterday? What now? And the Lord's there saying, hey, I took all of your sin before you ever did it. Recognize what you've done. Confess your sin, bring it to me. I'm faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and make you, your conscience be free. And you know what? Your conscience then becomes clean, but the liar would like to have you hold on to the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and live in the hangover of the guilt because those that are living in condemnation have no confidence before the Father. The Bible tells us that if, even if our heart condemns us, he's greater than our heart. Hooray! They just live by faith, not by feelings. That we can preach to our soul, hey soul, why are you downcast within me? Hope in God. Remember all his benefits. You can preach to yourself. You can remind yourself of what you look like and then you'll become a doer of the word. You won't go on sinning and take the message of the gospel as a license to sin when you know what you look like, when you remember daily. Thank you, God, I've been set free from me. Thank you, God, that you have freely given me your righteousness, which is absolutely holy and pure and powerful and supernatural. You've given it to me when I don't feel like I deserve it. The last thing on your mind is, now how can I push the envelope and sin today? If you're waking up and saying, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you set me free from me. Thank God I'm not the crooked person that I used to be. Thank you, God, I'm not defined by what people think about me, what people say about me. I'm defined not by my performance, but by your performance and your goodness and your kindness. I'm defined by the fact that you've given me as a gift your righteousness. And when you receive that, by faith, because it has to be by faith, because feelings won't let you do that. Feelings will say, that's not fair, hang on. You know, you really don't deserve that. True freedom comes when you apply faith to this gospel, hallelujah. But as you receive that, you, be, you begin to remember, wow, this is the truth about me. 
This is what you say. This is what you look like. He says now, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. One day we'll be in the sweet by and by. No, that's not what he says. He says, as he is, so are we, when? In this world. In this world. You know, the, the scripture tells us some very interesting things. He tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. He tells us that the just shall live by faith. He tells us that sin won't have dominion over us anymore, that we're not under the law, but that we're under grace. He says that you have become new creations in me. He tells us that he has qualified us and given us his holiness, his righteousness. God who is light cannot be joined to anything that is unholy. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. So the only way we could come into fellowship and union with God, the only way it was safe for the, to- the temple curtain to be torn and access to be granted to the holy of holies was if the person approaching was as holy and pure as God himself. Otherwise, they'd be burned up from the glory. They couldn't stand in his presence. So God made a way, showing us clearly that we can't, through the law, achieve righteousness. We can't achieve holiness. He said, I, I'm gonna come and do it. We couldn't do it, so he came and did it for us. He became sin so that we could become righteous. And that righteousness is not just a a dangled carrot that you could possibly achieve if you try really hard. It's a gift to whoever will believe. It's a gift that you have access to every day even if you sinned yesterday. That doesn't seem fair. I, I used to struggle with the, when, when I was trying to work this out. Years ago, I was thinking about the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. They said, right, ha we got him. You're gonna have to condemn her. And Jesus just looked around at them and said, who's without sin, you can cast the first stone. And he helped them see, actually we've all got sin. The wages of sin is death. And so one by one they just all dropped their stones and walked away. And then he who was without sin, who actually did have the right to stone her, said, who condemns you now? She looked around, she said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I, neither do I go and sin no more. But the remarkable thing about that story was that she didn't beg and ask for forgiveness. He just offered it to her. I was like, hang on, that doesn't seem right. So I looked at the the man that was brought to Jesus when there was crowds everywhere 
and they couldn't get him to Jesus. So the four friends, what did they do? Took him up on the roof, made a hole in the roof. Let him down through the roof. What did Jesus do? He looked at him. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. I looked at that and went, hang on. He didn't even ask. He didn't even ask for that. What's he doing just giving forgiveness when we haven't been through the process of repentance? <laughs> hang on. That doesn't seem right. The father of the prodigal son. Prodigal son comes home. The father sees him, runs towards him, wraps his arms around him, calls for a ring and a robe. And before the guy's even had a chance to get out of his mouth, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. He's already begun lavishing love. What does this mean? Does that mean repentance isn't important? Absolutely not. But it means that the goodness and kindness of God leads us to repentance. It means that God offers what we know we don't deserve in the hope that our hearts will respond and say, I need that. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. I receive it. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful. When we know this, then we change our attitude toward God when we come to Him in prayer. Instead of coming like the, the, the Pharisee that says, well, I'm righteous, so you should bless me. We can come like the tax collector and know that he's receiving us. As we're beating our breast and going, oh God, oh God. He's there going, I, I forgive you, I love you. Our good, good Father is so kind. And he's continually wanting to remind you of his love towards you. I had an idea of God that growing up with authorities in my life, I thought that he would always want to be correcting me. That if I really wanted to get vulnerable with God, what he'd do is he'd come in, put his finger on something and sort me out. And I, I'd go to God and say, okay, God, here I am. Talk to me. Talk to me. I remember once going on um, a high school teacher's orientation at a Christian school. They said, go away for 15 minutes and ask the Lord to speak to you. And I thought, right, I got this. All right, talk to me, God. Pen, paper, talk to me. I'm open. You can, like, I'm opening my heart. You can say anything you like. I, like, deal with me. Come on, here it is. And he says, I love you. I went, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, I know that, yeah, but can you like, come on, like go for it. I'm open, like you can just go for it, pull out the darkest nastiness in me, like come on, just put your finger on it, just, you know, I, know, I don't feel good about me, so come on, just dig out whatever stuff needs to be dug out of me, because like, I'm open, talk to me, God. He says, I love you. I said, yeah, I know, everybody knows that. Like, yeah we, all, yeah, we all know that. I don't want to take that back to the group. Talk to me. Talk to me. Here, God, seriously, I'm humbling myself. Please help me. 
talk to me. Tell me what needs to be fixed. Just deal with it. Like, I can take it. Come on, I can take it. I, I trust you. Just come and do it. He <laughs> said, I love you. I was upset. <laughs> I had to go back to the group and they went around the circle. So what did the Lord say to you in those 15 minutes? He said, I love you. I thought that was just like a bit of a letdown, actually. Because I didn't really understand what he was like. And I didn't really know that they were the words I needed to hear more than anything else. Do you know what? He still does that. He still does that. I come to him and I say, oh God, oh God, you know. I, I had an a opportunity where I had to, um, I was being asked to tell a publisher about all the things that I was doing and I was nervous to have to do it, but I went, okay, I'll tell you all the things I'm doing. And then after the phone call, I, I thought, oh no, I feel like I'm self-promoting. Oh God, I hate self-promoting. I don't want to be a self-promoter. I don't want to, I don't want to go on the slippery slope of self-promotion, Daddy. I, I like, oh God, I don't want to be prideful. I'm so sorry if that was prideful in any way. Pride comes before a fall. Oh no, I don't want to fall. God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I just got myself so worked up. You know, I actually hadn't done anything wrong. I was just uncomfortable with just putting it all out there, you know. And I went on and on, because I verbally process. It's best to verbally process with God, let me tell you. And finally, I stopped talking, sat down, and the Lord spoke. He says, you're kind. Well, what? It's got nothing to do with the slippery slope of self-promotion. Like, what about the pride and the fall and the... He didn't say anything else. And I suddenly remembered, this is who you are. When I'm condemning myself, you're there reminding me the truth of who I am. It doesn't mean that I don't have the capacity to sin. Adam, when he was in the garden created before he ate of the fruit, was he, did he have a sinful nature? No. But did he have the capacity to sin? Yes. We still have the capacity to sin, even though we have a sinless nature now, we have the nature of Christ. But if we do sin, it's not an inevitability, by the way. But if we do sin, thank God, he's not up there going, right, you've blown it now. He's not up there going, I can't believe you would do that after everything I've done. <laughs> He's there going, already paid for that before you did it. Yes. Here it is. I'm glad you see it. I'm glad you acknowledge it. Give it to me. You don't have to carry the weight of that guilt anymore. Here it is. And we repent and we say, thank you, God. I'm so sorry. I think he's not who I am. He goes, that's true. It's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. You're kind. I didn't earn that definition. The Bible tells us that God is love. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I haven't 
worked up to that state of being. It's something I've simply humbled myself like a little child and received by faith. And so now the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father is continually saying to me, as I am, so are you. The more I discover what he's like, the more I understand the truth of what I'm like. What's he like? The Bible tells me he is love. Love is patient, love is kind. That means I'm not trying to be patient. I'm not trying to measure up to his standard. He's actually given me his supernatural nature. I am patient. It's my nature now. And when I believe that, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I wake up in the morning and remind myself of what I look like. Oh, I don't feel very spiritual. Thank God I don't live by my feelings. Thank you, God. Thanks, God, that I'm delivered from me. Hooray. Hooray for my family. <laughs> Hooray for everyone that's going to meet me today. Thank God. Hooray. Thank you, Jesus. I was crucified with you, buried with you, raised up with you by your good kindness. Thanks, God. Thanks, God, now that as you are, so am I in this world. Thank you, God, that you are love. You are patience personified. You are kindness personified. And as you are, so am I. So I tell my soul, even if I don't feel it, I am patience personified. I am kindness personified. The next person that I I interact with is going to feel the mercy, the love, the glory, the kindness, the goodness. I am love personified. You say, well, isn't there a growing process? Absolutely. The more you discover about who he is, the more you know what you've got. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That is, the more you become intimately acquainted with him, the more you receive his power to believe, the more you receive a revelation of who he is and what he's like, and the more you spend time with him, getting to know him and what he's like, the more you wake up and remember the truth of what you're like. You're like him now. As he is, so are we in this world. Now my prayer for you is that as you open your heart to him today, that you would humble yourself in faith and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he became sin, died on a cross, rose again so that I could become righteous, that you'd receive the Savior, you'd receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and by faith step into the revelation that thank you, Jesus, Thank you, God, I've been set free from me. I've been set free from sin. I'm set free from guilt that I'm now a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, this is true freedom. This is what God wants you to live in. He wants you to live free from anxiety, free from fear. And when you get a revelation about this, you can apply it to the whole atonement. Our transgressions, our iniquities, our peace, our healing. How do we receive his righteousness? By faith. Megan Rowland, though. 
How do we receive his righteousness? How do we receive his righteousness? Because of his great grace, right? How do we receive a brand new nature? The nature of God, the motivations of Christ, the mind of Christ. How do we receive that? By faith. We gotta practice this. How do we receive the nature of Christ, the mind of Christ? How do we remember the, all of this? We do it by faith. by faith. How do we receive supernatural peace? By faith. by faith in what? By faith in the reality that the Savior set me free. Yes. Hallelujah. All the pressure's off. I'm not on my own. I'm not facing this circumstance by myself. Oh, that's a revelation that will set some people free right now. You are not facing your circumstance by yourself. Get to use the, the we terminology. Hey, Dylan, what are you saying to me? <laughs> My eyelashes falling off. Thank you, God. I can take them off. <laughs> I'm going to do this for TV. I haven't figured out how to do them yet. Praise the Lord. <laughs> set free from the silly things. <laughs> How do you receive peace? How do you receive freedom from fear? You can say that, but what does it actually look like applied in your life tomorrow? When you wake up and think about your circumstance and feel Anxious? How do you do it? How do you embrace supernatural peace tomorrow? You do it by remembering. Thank you, God. I'm not doing this on my own. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to pray for some people in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to ask you this. If you're here and you know in your heart, that you haven't come into this relationship with God, where you've acknowledged that you need Him as Savior, where you have acknowledged, Lord, I wanna receive, I wanna come home to you, and I wanna be embraced by you. I wanna exchange my crookedness for your holiness. How do, we, how do we do that? We do that, again, by a free will choice, where we apply faith to believe. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Son of God. Don't keep talking to me, Dylan. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're here and you know that, you know, it's one thing to agree with what I'm saying, but it does require a response on your part. Yeah. The devil's heard this message a thousand times. He believes it, but he doesn't want any part of it. God's looking for you to respond, to say, he's my savior. I need that, and I'm gonna receive it. God is offering you forgiveness. 
like he offered the woman caught in adultery, like he offered the man who was lame. He offered it to them freely. Here it is. Here's my forgiveness. But it would only be received if they opened their heart and acknowledged, I need that. He could have gone, how dare you publicly suggest that I need forgiveness? Could have said that. But if you humble yourself and say, actually, I, I need that. I need that forgiveness. I need that mercy. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. If you wanted today, tonight, say, I want to acknowledge that I need forgiveness. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you wave your hand at me? I'd love to pray for you right now. If you say, I want to today cross the line and become a new creation. I want tonight to be the night that I remember that was the night that I exchanged my life for his life. Is there anyone here tonight that says, yeah, that's me? Let me see you if that's you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm gonna ask some of the team to come and pray. Meg, why don't you come and help me? Pastor Daniel, come and give me a hand. Are you happy? Yes. Hallelujah. Pastor James is here. Come and help us. This is awesome. I'll tell you what, this man is so full of the Holy Ghost. James and Rochelle have been with us since the beginning. Praise the Lord. And I remember when I first saw the Holy Ghost come on him when he was ministering to people. We, we, we went and we traveled. We, we've, been, we've been everywhere. We went, we went to, do you remember, we went to the Gold Coast, yes. Sarah's church, that's where we, Sarah Cheeseman was there, and set free, and there, there was a wooden floor. <laughs> He's got this thing that sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes on him and people are getting healed or set free, he stomps, like he jumps <laughs> this high in the air. And, and he did that there with this wooden floor. And, <laughs> everyone woke up, Hallelujah. But I tell you, I have seen such incredible healing, such amazing deliverance. So we love you. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Are you happy? Yes. Hey, listen, is there anyone here that's going to shake off some of their fear and their worry? I really believe that's not just a nice word. That's an invitation requiring a response. Ruth Ridley, I was talking to her this morning from Darwin. She said that the intercessors had been praying about a certain issue and they also had seen a, a vision of eagles eating snakes. In fact, her son, her four-year-old son, had done a drawing of this snake with looking after its eggs and this eagle coming. And the snake was terrified because like, he knew that the eagle was going to come and eat the eggs and eat him. And so they were praying and just declaring, thank you, God, that the eagles are rising up and devouring the snakes. And then they got home yesterday, got home, and found this snake in their backyard with its head in the water in the swimming pool, body out here, head in the water, dead. And they just knew that the Lord had answered their prayer. And you know, tonight God showed me a very similar thing. Now I want to declare to you some of the things that have been intimidating you are lying. They actually have no power over you. Deliverance has already been done. You can just step up and say, thank you, God. You've already won the victory. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Daddy.
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.